0: It is a blessed Sunday to be with you. Every Sunday is a from the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but today is very special as we begin the week of the Lord and celebrating the Lord's birth as he comes to the earth and we celebrate Christmas what a joyous occasion it is thank you for joining us online if you are online we understand why you're online this morning but we are grateful that you have joined us in person and online as the church gathers together to hear the word of the lord i um i felt um Very much so that we needed to hear about joy in this Christmas season. Um, When we were putting together this series, we thought we need to hear the joy of Christ and his first coming. And we need to be ready for the joy of his second coming and experiencing that through this pandemic and all that we have been experiencing as we we all have experienced um, longing and groaning for the new creation and the new Jerusalem in which we will sit at the throne and worship with joy in our hearts. But we're in this series called Joy to the World, and we begin looking at the joy that stirs our hearts because the King is coming. The King is bringing with Him salvation. And we respond to the Lord who is coming with joy, and our hearts sing for joy. A couple weeks ago, we saw Psalm 98, which, which birthed the song Joy to The world. And last week, our friend Chris Chris Gulley reminded us that we walk completely in the power of the Holy Spirit and of the living God. And I don't know about you, but this week I certainly needed to be reminded that we walk in the power of God and not our own might. I feel as every day, every hour, I need a refocus of my mind back to the things of God because of so much that is going on in our world. But how about that snow this week, right? Yeah, the beauty of God's creation, the joy on the face of the children playing in the snow. Even some adults haven't seen a snow like that in a long time in Oklahoma. But this morning... We look to the pointing of Christ, the joy that will come from the one who will prepare the way for the Messiah, preparing a people for the Christ's coming. The greatest Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, who links the old covenant with the new and brings about a great joy, and many will rejoice at his birth, because he is preparing God's people to have a heart of repentance, because the king is coming. Let's look together at Luke chapter one. We'll start in verse eight so we have some context. We'll preach from verse 13. But if you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word, we're going to read it together. Um, As we do at Northwest, we honor the Lord's word by standing and reading together from Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the set to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the, Lord, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we ask that our hearts would be prepared to hear the word of God this morning preached. Lord, we thank you for, for allowing us to worship in spirit and in truth. We thank you for the worship this morning, that we proclaim your excellencies and what you have done upon the cross. Father, we, we pray that you would breed in us a joy that is unexpressible. From your own spirit, knowing that you are the God who saves us. Father, we pray that as we hear the word this morning, that our hearts would be convicted, that we would see the truth of your word and respond. Father, by the leading of your spirit, Lord, give us grace as we walk this day. In Jesus' name, We pray, amen. I can remember preparing a few years back for a great big Thanksgiving feast. I believe I was in the fifth grade. That was just a few years ago. Uh, And we had the whole family over to our house. Sometimes we would go to other houses, but for some reason this year it was at our house. And we were preparing this magnificent feast and because we didn't have it oftentimes at our house I think it was we went over the top and and mom pulled out these dishes that I'd never seen before in my life and these green glasses that I really had never drinking from before and napkin holders which we had never had before these chargers I didn't even know what that was And a table so decorated that it looked like it was from a movie set. And we had this turkey. And I can remember this turkey being so big. I'm still not sure that I've seen a turkey this big. And the dining room table was all set and all the dishes, the place was decorated and... My mom had been preparing this feast for quite some time—what seemed like weeks to a young man—and we pulled that turkey out of the oven, and the the aroma of the turkey filled the room, and you get you, the the excitement of that Thanksgiving dinner. And we gathered around to pray, and uh, as we began to pray, we we had this dog and and uh, he was a Great Dane. So he was 150 pounds, and he was large. He had one eye, he was a rescue dog, and he had one eye, so they sewed his one eye shut. He was kinda scary looking, but he was huge. One-eyed Great Dane, his name was Leroy. And as we began to pray, Leroy jumped onto the counter, grabbed the turkey in his mouth and started running around the house. As you can imagine, chaos brought forth as people were yelling and screaming and throwing things and running around the house after the dog with the turkey in his mouth. So in the thought of the chaos of all of this, I had this thought in my mind. Is Thanksgiving going to happen? Are we going to have this feast in which we had prepared for? Did we do all of this preparation for not? You see, the people of Israel for many years had been preparing They had been waiting for this king who had been prophesied about in the Old Testament. They had tried to clean themselves up many, many times to present themselves before the Lord, but things had never gone as they had planned. Over and over again, they followed wayward ways, following after idols, intermarrying with foreign countries, not trusting the Lord, Yet they had the promise that God had given them, that the king was coming, the Messiah was on his way. The last time the Lord had spoken to God's people before he speaks through the angel to Zechariah was through the prophet Malachi over 400 years prior to this point. And this is the last thing the Lord says to God's people in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter four, verse five. He says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction." You see, the Lord had been silent for over 400 years. He had not spoken to the people who had lost their love for the Lord. They would replaced it with some pious self righteousness. The people were so concerned about doing the law, they lost sight of their love for God and their love for one another. And in this time, God brings forth the one who will prepare the way for the Messiah because he will preach the good news. He will preach repentance. He will preach that the king is coming, then that Christ is that king. He would be the one to bring joy because he would prepare the people for the coming of Christ. But if you're wondering what happened at the end of the big preparation for the fanciest Thanksgiving ever, The dog didn't stop the feast. We cut that section of the turkey out and feasted anyway. But in the song, Joy to the World, there is a line, let every heart prepare him room. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, the preparation for the king. And what better way to do that on the week before Christmas? This is exactly what John the Baptist does. He prepares the hearts of mankind for King Jesus. Let's look at verse 12 here together. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. He saw this angel and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. The angel does not come with a word of judgment. Zechariah has nothing to fear but one of joy and gladness. Verse 14, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. They had walked, Elizabeth and Zechariah had been praying for many years for a child. They had walked this painful road for many years and were past childbearing years. Yet God, in His providence and His plan, had a plan for this faithful priest. For many years, who struggle with infertility. May we see this passage and understand the grace of God for all humanity. You see, John will certainly bring joy to Elizabeth and Zachariah, but many will rejoice at his birth. John's name, which the Lord gives, means the grace of God. And this will be the turning point of redemptive history. As Brent was praying this morning, the brokenness of our world, and yet God enters into the broken world and inserts the grace of God. And John is the beginning of the redemptive history in which that is changing And he does it by giving a woman who has passed her years of childbearing a child who will be the one, the precursor, the one who prepares the way for Jesus Christ who will make all things new. Look at verse 15 together. Verse 14 says, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. And why is that? For he will be great before the Lord. This is our first point this morning. God's greatness is not measured in man's greatness. God's greatness is not measured by man's greatness. Sometimes we read over a sentence in the Bible not feeling the full weight of the sentence. Let me read it to you again. For he will be great before the Lord. Jesus speaks of John the Baptist in this way. The angel speaks of John the Baptist in the way. Jesus also speaks in the same way. In Matthew chapter 11, 11, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he we'll talk about that second part at the ends but no one born of women is greater than John the Baptist the angel makes a point to say that he is he will be great before the lord wait wait a minute you mean that John the Baptist will be greater than Noah, a preacher of righteousness? He will be greater than Abraham, the epitome of faith before God? He will be greater than the priest king Melchizedek, the greater than the prophet Moses, greater than the one who spoke face to face as a... With God as a friend speaks with God, Moses himself, he would be greater than Joshua, greater than Samson, greater than King David, a man after God's own heart, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezra. Why? And why is he the greatest? Ever since Muhammad Ali declared, I am the greatest. People have declared themselves great because of their fame, their contribution to society, their wealth, their dress, their ingenuity. Some people are just famous or, yeah, they're just famous because they're famous. They have no really give to society anything. They're just literally famous because they're famous. I've developed this greatness rubric based upon the world's standards. I'm going to put John through the test to see where he measures up with what the world says is great. OK? So um, bear with me here. "World says is great. You're born into a great family. Your birthrights. Was he born into a prominent family, a wealthy family, or even royalty? Say, you're born as as a king or a queen in, in royalty. No, John doesn't check that box. He was born of a common family in the Judean hill country. Was he highly educated? No evidence of formal education. He doesn't check that box. Does he have famous friends, or does he have a, a cool house? Or was he, does he live in a central place of commerce? And is he around all the, the socialites? Is he like Jerusalem? Luke 180 tells us the child grew and became strong in the spirit. He was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance of Israel. He was a loner. In the wilderness. He must have had great taste in clothes or style. Must have must have invented some dietary trends, you know, that, that helped helped people understand who he was at the time. Must have been famous because of that, or great because of that. Matthew 3:4 says, Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Doesn't check that box. He must have like started an institution or like seminary or like had a lot of people that that would come after him and his name and a social movement or something like that, something big. In fact, he actually points to someone greater than himself, calls people to follow. Someone other than himself. Matthew 3, 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Maybe, maybe it's the longevity of his ministry. Remember, I'm still putting him through this rubric. He hasn't checked many boxes here. He hasn't checked any boxes. Maybe, maybe it was the longevity of his ministry that made him greater than all the other prophets. You no, know, shortly after John begins his ministry, he's imprisoned by Herod and Herod actually kills him, places his head on a platter to please a young girl who's dancing before him. So he, he really only has 15 minutes of fame. So unfortunately his ministry wasn't that long so he doesn't check any of the world's boxes yet the Lord calls him great before the Lord. And why is that? Why is that? What, what makes someone great before the Lord? And when you come to the end of your life, What will they say about you? Will they say he was great before men? He checked all those boxes. Or will they say he was great before the Lord? Two very different, distinct paths. In this life. So, what makes him great before the Lord? Let's look and and read in the text of Scripture here. For he would be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Spirit, even from his mother's womb. I think the first thing here we have to understand is he will be devoted to the Lord, he will not marry with the world. He will not dabble with the things and the pleasures of this world. He will be filled with the Spirit. The Old Testament has much to say about wine and strong drink. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. Paul tells Timothy to stop drinking only water, add a bit of wine as a healing agent or to purify the water. Yet it is very clear that wine or alcohol or any substance for that matter can lead one astray. Proverbs 20 verse one says this, wine is a mocker strong drink a brawler and whoever is led astray by it is not wise so why is john not to drink wine as as we saw timothy is is told to drink a little wine in his water jesus turns water into wine but john is told not to drink wine Either he is taking the Nazarite vow here, which some believe that he is doing, or the Lord is setting aside a specific task for John to be devoted completely upon the Lord. You see, in Leviticus chapter 10, verse eight and nine, the priest, when he met with the Lord, was to be completely under not the influence of alcohol, this is what it says in Leviticus 10 9. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die, shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You know, I, I believe that the Lord had set, a, set him aside to be completely devoted to him because he was filled with the Spirit. Devoted to the Lord, not the things of the world, and filled with the Spirit of the living God. He sounds kind of like the church. Devoted to the Lord, filled with the Spirit. Does it remind you of some of Paul's letters and his writings to the church, the people of God? Do not be drunk but be filled with the Spirit of the living God. And it says here, it's interesting that it says, and he will be filled with the Spirit even from his mother's womb. He's filled with the Spirit inside of his mother's womb. We we, We have to understand the Lord This was not the first time the Lord called a prophet out of the womb. Let me read for you the call of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. That's Jeremiah's call in the womb. Listen to Paul, what he says in Galatians chapter one, verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult anyone. It's very interesting that even in the womb, the Lord, before the foundation of the world, he's calling people to himself and setting them apart for his specific purposes. But even in the womb, John knows Christ. And how do we know this? Luke chapter one, verse 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. John knows Christ even in the womb, he's filled with the spirit even in the womb. Very interesting how this goes about. God calls John. John understands the joy Of the presence of the Lord and Jesus who is coming. Do you understand that? Do you leap for joy when you think of the presence of God, the Lord, who is coming down to be born on this earth? I don't think it gets much clearer on the sanctity of life in the womb. Life begins at conception. The child in the womb has a soul. It looks as if John even understands what's going on around him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yet, God's design... For greatness of this child, John, was more than just being devoted to the Lord and filled with the Spirit. As a result of filling of the Spirit, we see here in verse 16 what happens as a result of the filling of the Spirit. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. This is our second point this morning. Turning people back to God and repentance brings joy. Turning people back to the Lord brings joy. He would bring joy by turning the hearts of God's people. Look at the verse that says their God. How can you turn someone's heart or a people back to their God. The the word turn back in the Greek is often used for the word throughout the New Testament of conversion. God was giving these people and conversion. He was turning them around. He was completely changing their life. John his father would later say in Luke chapter 1 verse 76 and 77 and you child will be called the prophet of the most high For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. John's whole role was pointing people to Christ. John would be the one in the wilderness declaring the good news to people. He would be turning God's people back to the Lord their God. My prayer is that we would be a church that turns people to the Lord their God. That we would be a church who consisted of men and women who will challenge other men and women to live righteous lives. Women. Would challenge other women, men would challenge other men to love the Lord, their God, with all their heart, their soul, and their strength. That they would turn people's hearts back to the Lord, that had become so distracted by the ways of the world, that they would come, that they would hear, and that they would challenge one another. to awaken the souls and their need for the Lord. So much so that just as the crowds, when they heard John the Baptist would say, what shall I do? People would come and say, what shall we do? Turning the people back To their God. Verse 17, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Remember the last verse of the Old Testament. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land. With a decree of utter destruction. Let's talk about Elijah here for a minute. Malachi's predicting it. The angel is telling that he's going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Matthew 17:10. Jesus clarifies for us what is actually happening and the disciples ask him, then why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. How he was how was John the Baptist like Elijah? They had the same dress, the, the hair, vest, the belt. They preached in the wilderness. Remember, Elijah's big scene is the 450 prophets of Baal, where they come to Mount Carmel and and, and, and he challenges the religious establishment. He challenges them and he says, are you going to look to the one true God or are you going to dabble in all this idolatry and other things, religion? God comes down in fire, showing that he is the one true God with the people. Now John the Baptist confronts the religious establishment of the Pharisees and he points to the one who would come down from heaven baptizing them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he calls for people to repent. You see the call was the same call, it was not to have one foot in the world and one foot with the Lord. The call was to be all in. It was the call to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What does that look like? Malachi and Luke tell us fathers turn their hearts to their sons. They will raise godly children who love the Lord. There's nothing more damning to a family than a parent that decides to live their life for their own selfish desires. To live for their own sensual pleasures not only destroys their own walk with the Lord but has adverse effects upon their children who watch their parents and ultimately become like them. We have become a nation who has perverted the family unit, God's design for the family. A nation who does not have time to love their children and teach them the ways of God. And as a result, we have become a nation of unrest, And we wonder why the next generation does not follow Christ. We need repentance. And John preaches a message of repentance, turning back to the Lord. And fathers or parents loving their children. You see, when the gospel goes forth, it affects the family. It affects the parents and how they treat their children, how they raise their children, how they train their children up in the ways of God. And we have another generation that loves the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their spirit. And as a result, the preaching of repentance will turn back. The disobedient will now turn to the wisdom of the just or the righteous. This brings about joy to a nation. This brings about joy to a people. This brings about joy to a family God is providing a prophet, a mouthpiece of the Lord who will speak the truth to God's people and he will prepare their hearts for the kingdom of God and his salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the people, for the Lord, a people prepared. This is the last point this morning To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Pointing people to Christ brings joy to the world. Pointing people to Christ brings joy to the world. You see, John the Baptist was the greatest that had come, but least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. Why is that? Because God will raise up men and women who are filled with the Spirit, armed with the gospel of Christ to be sent out into the world to prepare people to encounter the risen Lord. You see, this is truly the call of the church to go and declare the good news to people, calling them to wake up from their religion or their slumber. Their bumbling around in this world, this dabbling in the world and the pleasures of the world to begin thinking about the things of God, to show them their need for a savior. John the Baptist stood in a river calling them to be washed, saying that just as the body needed to be cleansed, the soul needed washing to be cleansed, to enter into heaven. And we proclaim the good news message gospel that you are sinners in need of a savior, that Christ is the one who died on a cross for your sins. That these people were in need of repentance and faith. John called the religious establishment a brood of vipers, calling out the external religious activities that will not save. In our day, going to church, being a good person, will not save. Giving your tithe, doing these things, will not save. Christ saves. Faith saves. And John called people to bear fruit in keeping with their repentance. Remember, our salvation is not for ourselves. Our salvation is to bring glory to God. Need for a heart change, a change in what's mind and be filled with the Holy Spirit and In the same way, the church is filled with the spirit of the living God. We are devoted to the things of God and declare the good news to a people who are in desperate need of salvation and waking up. John's preparation for God's people was to wake them up for their need for a savior. A man in East Texas lived and died in abject poverty. He lived till his dying day in a house, a modest house, that sat just a few feet above the largest undiscovered oil reserve in the world. Abundantly wealthy, yet not knowing it. Living like a pauper. It is a sad condition that many Christians live in today. Not being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not able to proclaim the good news, gospel message in boldness. Not seeing the joy that the Lord has come, not declaring to prepare him room, because he is worthy, he is good, and we need his salvation. John is a picture of the grace of God which wakes us up to the reality of the truth about God, our need for his salvation and our hearts that are desperate in need of repentance. Let us join together in preparing our heart for the king. Just as someone said earlier, he has come and he's coming again. We don't know when that will be. But let us make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Let us declare the excellent mercies of God through what He did on the cross for us, giving His life for sinners. Let us be reminded of our need to repent, of our need for the Lord to bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. We are as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That we may reflect the glory of God as his church. Prepare for the king this Christmas. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth that challenges our hearts We were reminded of the grace of God in this birth, John. We were reminded, Lord, of our call to live a life worthy of the manner of the calling in which we have been called. We were reminded, Though our life may seem insignificant in the worldly standpoint, God sees our life. Help us to fully give our hearts. Show us where we need repentance. Give us grace, Lord as your church, your people. Help us to prepare our hearts for the King who is coming again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.